Praise the Lord. Today is Palm Sunday, and this day is the beginning of Holy Week, a week in which we commemorate the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Palm Sunday is a day in which Christ triumphantly entered the city of Jerusalem and made his entrance as the Messiah to the great city of Jerusalem. And we await uh, on this day the coming of our Lord as he will again enter through the wall, through the gates of the city of Jerusalem and establish his kingdom forever. And so this morning we uh, welcome you and we thank God uh, for his presence among us. I'm going to ask you if you brought your Bible to go with me to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And we're going to begin this morning at verse 18 of the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. God has been good. If you didn't bring a smile to church, get one. Because God's been good. The very fact that we're breathing this morning. I said the fact we're breathing this morning. The fact that I'm not preaching a funeral this morning, God has been good. And he has been uh, far better to us than we have been to ourselves. The Bible reads, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18, For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind. And to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words which sound such that, it, that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not bear the command, if any beast touches the mount, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of the fear and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, and to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, we are so grateful this morning for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for these children that we have had the privilege of witnessing their dedication. I ask, O oh God, now that you would come by the power of the Spirit and speak to our hearts from your word. I ask you to anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word and be glad. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As we go to the word of the Lord, we read that the Bible tells us that we have not come to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was the mountain in which God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And when the Lord came down upon that great mountain, the Bible says that there was a dark cloud and there was a great smoke. And there was an earthquake and the shaking of that mountain. At the hearing of the voice of God, the mountain trembled. You can imagine that if a mountain shook when God spoke, 
What must have been of the men and women standing at the foot of that mountain when they heard the terrible voice of the living God? There was a, a fear that entered them, a reverence for God. So, so specific was the Lord concerning Mount Sinai that he said that even if an animal touched the mountain, that he would be uh, stoned to death or else killed by an arrow. And so the people of God told Moses, they said, don't, don't you dare take us up to talk with God. You go up there and deal with God for us. We will uh, take our chances here on the foot of the mountain. And you can see in that the great, uh, the great terror of the law. That the law of God, the law that God gave to Moses was a difficult thing. It was a hard thing. So difficult, in fact, that the Bible says that whoever the law falls upon shall be utterly crushed to powder. And yet when we read this morning, we read that we have not come to that mountain. We have not come to Mount Sinai. We have not come to the mountain of the law. We have not come to that place where God terrified the people of Israel by merely speaking His voice. But rather we have come to a different mountain. We have come to Mount Zion. In fact, and specifically, we have come to Calvary. We have come to the place of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this place is a very different place from Mount Sinai, for you see, at Mount Calvary, Jesus died. And his death was so effective that it turned law into grace. And it turned judgment into mercy. And it turned outsiders into insiders and strangers into sons. To this mountain we have come, to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can somebody give God praise for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ? We have come to this mountain. The Bible says we have come to the mediator of a new covenant. And we have come to the sprinkling of blood. And he says this blood speaks a better thing than the blood of Abel. This morning I want to use a simple subject. Only the blood. Can you tell your neighbor that? Only the blood. When somebody says to you, man, I can't believe the things that have changed in your life. All you can really say is only the blood. When somebody says to you, weren't you a drug addict or a drug dealer? You have to say, only the blood. When somebody says to you, I thought you were the biggest liar in town, but now you're honest. I don't get it. You have to say, only the blood. Is there anybody in here this morning that can say, only the blood? You were diagnosed with cancer, but you're not dead this morning. Only the blood. You, have, you should have been uh, buried and gone by now, but only the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood. The blood of Jesus. The Bible said that the blood of Jesus speaks a better thing than the blood of Abel. If I can rewind the Bible for you just a moment, we go to the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve have two sons. Their names are Cain and Abel. And the Bible said that in the process of time, they offered up an offering to the Lord. Cain offered the offering of, of the fruit of the ground. He brought to God the, uh, the, the wheat and the barley perhaps that he had grown. He brought to God the, the vegetables that he, had, that he had worked over and labored over in the field. 
and he brings him to the Lord as an offering to God. On the contrary, his brother Abel also brought an offering, except this offering was quite different. When you looked at Cain's offering, it looked like a cornucopia full of all of the vegetation of a Thanksgiving uh, meal. But when you looked at Abel's offering, it was quite different. It was the offering of a lamb. This lamb had been slain. Its, its throat had been cut. The blood had been shed. And that lamb, dying and twitching upon that altar, was offered to the Lord God. And the Bible said that the Lord had regard for Abel's offering, but for Cain's offering, he had no regard. Now, this is my theory as I study the Bible, and I have studied the Bible for a great many years. The Bible doesn't say this, but I believe that the way that the Lord showed regard for Abel's offering was by sending fire from heaven to, uh, to uh, 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 consume the offering, to consume the altar. Now, I believe that because all throughout the Old Testament, when God was pleased with an offering, he would send fire, and that fire signified the acceptance of God. And so, whether that was the case or not, somehow these brothers knew that God had accepted Abel's offering, but he had rejected the offering of Cain. And you can imagine the way sibling rivalries go, that if these two brothers have made their offering to God, and Cain's offering is sitting there, beautiful and precious, and God has no regard for it, and here is the twi twitching, bleeding, dying lamb of uh, Abel's offering, and fire comes out of heaven and consumes the offering, and it reveals that God had accepted the blood offering, the blood sacrifice offered by Cain. Do you know this morning that there are still two altars that men can go to? There are still the altar of Cain and the altar of Abel. Some have come to Cain's altar. I would call Cain's altar the altar of self-effort, the altar of religion. The altar of self-effort believes that if I do enough good works, if I give enough money to the poor, if I satisfy certain rituals and regulations, then I can be made right before God. But I stand before you to tell you, friend, that none has ever been made righteous in the eyes of God by the things that he or she has done. There is no level of sacrifice that you can make that can earn you the favor of the living God. So many people still come to God through the means of religion, but God will not accept the altar of Cain, not then, not now, not ever. Why, Pastor? Because if God accepts the altar of self-effort, you and I will get to heaven and say, I'm here because I gave money to the poor. I'm here because I was a member of Kingsway Church. I'm here because I got baptized. I'm here because I was dedicated to God as a baby. But you see, if we do that, we will glory in ourselves rather than in the Lamb. And so the Bible said that no flesh will glory in His presence. When you and I come before God, it won't be on the basis of anything that we have done in righteousness, but rather on the basis of the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world and our faith, our faith placed in that lamb. Abel's offering is still uh, being offered today. This is the offer, altar of faith. This is the altar of simple confidence 
in the Lamb. This morning, you can run to self-effort and it cannot save you. You can run to religion and it cannot save you. And I'll tell you this, don't ever let anybody tell you that religion is not a sacrifice. Religion is a sacrifice. Religion is hard work. You got to jump through all the hoops. You got to stand on one foot. You got to touch your nose while you're tiptoeing. All of these different things religion will do to you and none of it can save. But when you come to Jesus by faith, Jesus saves. I said Jesus saves and Jesus can make you righteous before an almighty God. Jesus alone can do that. And so Cain became jealous of his brother Abel. The Bible said that he slew his brother. This is the first time in the Bible that a human being died. And it is also at the hands of his brother. The first murder. Think about that. The dysfunction in that family. The very first family. And they have now experienced the first death and the death at the hands of another family member. And so the Bible says that Cain slew Abel and the Lord came to Cain. And the Lord asked him a question. And I want to warn you, when God starts asking questions, be careful, right? Because he's not looking for information. God is not asking questions because he doesn't know the answer. In fact, when he asks a question, he already knows the answer and he's teaching us a lesson. And so he comes to Cain and he says, Cain, where is your brother Abel? And Cain said, what am I, my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's babysitter? Am I supposed to watch my little brother everywhere he goes? And the Lord said, no, but uh, you, uh, but I hear the blood of Abel crying out to me from the ground. God said to Cain, Abel's blood is speaking right now. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the Bible says that the life of the man is in the blood. And so the, the shedding of blood, uh, the innocent blood, is an abomination to the Lord God. And because God considers life precious because he gave it. It was the breath of God that caused the blood to start pumping through the, through the heart of Adam that made him a living soul. And so when your blood stops pumping, your soul departs from your body. That's the end, friend. And so when, when Abel died, his, his blood started crying out to God. It started crying out for mercy. It started crying out for justice. It started crying out for those things that, that uh, Cain had done against him. And so this morning I want us just to reflect for a moment at what this blood said. Today when blood is shed, it still speaks. It still speaks before God. The blood of the aborted child still demands justice. The blood of the murdered man or woman still demands justice. It still cries out before the living God. God still honors and preserves life. And so, first thing we note is that the blood of Abel declared the righteousness of Abel. It spoke of Abel's faithfulness before God. That blood began to cry out and say, God, I am a righteous man, and I was slain for unrighteousness. I, I, was, I was slain for no reason at all. I was innocent, and yet I was slain. I don't know about you, but someday all of us are going to die. We're all going to come to the end of our life. Some of us sooner than others. Some of us, some of us will still uh, be walking with the Lord. I pray all of you in this room will be walking with the Lord when you die. But I pray that when I come to the death, the day of my death, 
that there will be a testimony about me that says this man was a righteous man. This man was a faithful man. This man loved God. That ought to be our desire this morning to be able to live a life that our life will bear witness and say this was a child of God. This man, this woman honored God with their whole being. Abel's testimony rose up before God as being righteous. The blood of Abel also had a different cry. It had a different plea. and That was a plea for vengeance. A plea for justice. And God heard the cry of, of Abel's blood crying out for justice. And he put judgment upon Cain. And Cain and his descendants would walk under the judgment of God. For those many generations, because the blood of Abel was crying out against them and crying for justice and crying for, for the re reconciliation of the law that had been broken against God. Friend, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus is also crying out. For you see, when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, his blood began to speak. First of all, his blood speaks of his righteousness. His blood is even greater than the blood of Abel because his blood comes from a pure and spotless man. Jesus never sinned. He knew no sin. He never told a lie. And yet he died a guilty death. He died the death of an innocent victim for those who had sinned against the living God. And so this morning the blood of Jesus still cries out and declares that God has made us righteous through the righteousness of his son Jesus the blood of Jesus tells us that there is one who is righteous before God one who is unspotted and unblemished in the world but you see the blood of Abel uh, uh, cried for justice but the blood of Jesus has a different cry the blood of Jesus cries for mercy the blood of Abel demanded vengeance but the blood of Jesus demands forgiveness and mercy. I don't know if you realize it this morning, but every single one of us in here has received mercy. You ought to be happy this morning about that fact. You, we, we have received mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. How many of you have ever not gotten what you did deserve? I remember one day I broke a chandelier in my mama's house. And I, 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 uh, I, only, got, I only got spanked once, twice. And this was not one of those occasions. And uh, my dad said, go talk to your mother. So I talked to my mother. And she said, oh, I didn't even like that thing. And I thought, that is mercy right there. I did not get what I did deserve. Come on, somebody. You're sitting there like, oh, yes, that's such a beautiful story. That's your story. That's my story. We broke the law of God, and yet God did not deal with us according to our sin. He did not give us what we justly deserve. I deserve hell, but I'm going to heaven. I deserve judgment, but I've got grace. I deserve to be outside, but I'm inside. I deserve to be a stranger, but I'm a child of the living God. That's the mercy of God. Anybody in here have received mercy. I did not get what I did deserve. You run a stop sign. You have to appear before the judge. The judge uh, says, sir, did you run the stop sign? Yes, I did. 
And you're the pastor of Kingsway Church. Yes, yes, I am. This is not a true story, okay? Hypothetical. <laughs> purely hypothetical. And the judge says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pardon you this time. I deserve a fine, but I'm receiving mercy. Now the judge says, and after uh, the end of the day today, I'm going to take you to a steak dinner. Let the Lord use you, judge. Now I have not just received mercy, but I have received something I did not deserve. Now I've gone over into grace. You see, that's what Jesus did at the cross. He didn't just forgive you of your sin, but he brought you over into grace. He brought you into the exceeding and abundant goodness of God. He brought you into a place where he showed you things that you did not deserve. Come on, somebody. I have been walking in the grace of God. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. It is astonishes me to think that I didn't deserve mercy, but now I have received mercy and grace. So mercy canceled my debt, and grace deposited the righteousness of Jesus into my account. That is an exciting fact this morning. I said mercy canceled your debt, but grace deposited righteousness into your account. And so... He says the blood of Jesus speaks a better thing. It, it speaks a better plea, a better cry. Because Abel's blood demanded judgment, but the blood of Jesus demands mercy. So this morning, I want to tell you a few facts about the blood. Number one, only the blood can give you access or confident access in prayer. Only the blood can give you confident access in prayer. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter to the holy place by the blood of Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, his blood opened up a new way of access to God. That, that blood opened up a new path of access to the living God. You and I cannot approach God on our own merit. We can only come to God through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus alone can give you confident access before God in prayer. So this is what happens often when we come to the Lord in prayer. The enemy will show up. And if, if you're not careful, the devil will become your prayer partner and he will start contradicting your prayer life. Have you ever had that happen to you? And he'll say things like, why would God listen to you? You, you, don't, uh, you didn't even behave too well this week. I saw how you treated your husband. I saw how you treated your wife. You don't deserve to enter into the presence of the Lord. You'll come into church and you'll hear an altar call made and the enemy will come and tell you, you don't deserve to go up to the altar. You might as well stay here because you're not going to change anyway. Anyway, God's not listening to you. God doesn't care. God doesn't have anything to say to you. What you need to tell him is, devil, the only reason that I can be heard before God is because of the blood. And the blood has given me the ear of heaven come on somebody we have confident access to the throne of grace 
because of the blood of Jesus. You just have to say, look, devil, that blood was shed because of my sin. Therefore, that blood is my access to the throne of the living God. That blood and only that blood can give me access to the presence of God. I've told you this story before, but I, I just love it, so I'm going to tell you again. When I was in the, uh, in, as an intern in Washington, D.C., the, uh, the leader of the house asked me, Isaac, would you like to go to the floor of the House of Representatives? And I said, of course. Uh, I wanted to be in the, in the House of Representatives, but I wasn't uh, allowed to. I was an intern, and so I was the very lowest guy on the totem pole. And I had an invitation to go onto the floor of the House of Representatives. So I followed the leader down to where we were going, and I, uh, I got to the door where you can uh, enter into the chamber uh, of the House of Representatives, and I felt an arm reach over and stop me. And uh, when I was stopped, the voice said, you can't go as far as you go, son. And uh, I thought, so close and yet so far away. And uh, when the, the leader had already gone in and he turned back and he said, no, let him in. He's with me. And when he did that, I walked in there like I owned the House of Representatives. I'm the representative of the district of Shote, Texas. Well, I want you to know that sometimes you come to the door of grace and the law sticks out its arm and says you can't go past here. You've broken the Ten Commandments. The devil sticks out his arm and he says you can't go past here. You have broken the law of God. Maybe religion sticks out its arm and says you haven't met all the rituals and the checklist. But then there's one sitting on the throne who shed his blood for me. And he says, no, let him in. He's with me. Come on, somebody. We have access through the throne of the living God through the blood say only the blood only the blood when we are there standing in the presence of all the saints and the sinners saved by grace it will not be good works it will not be Kingsway Church it will not be money fame or power it will be only the blood only the blood that can give us access to the throne of the living God so when you come to God, you enter with confidence. When I lived in Kennedy, my nephews lived down the road a couple blocks. They would come to my house, and they would enter with confidence. And they would open my refrigerator with confidence. And they would eat my food with confidence. That's what I'm talking about this morning. The blood gives you confidence to come into the presence of God and to know that whatsoever things you ask in the name of Jesus shall be given unto you. Come on, somebody. Give God praise for the prayers answered through the blood. Number two, only the blood can take away sin. You see... The Bible said that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. That means no sin can be removed unless there's bloodshed. And so the blood of Jesus alone can forgive us of our sin. It can take our sin away. Now, if you study the Old Testament, and I have no doubt you do from time to time, you're going to read about the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant. There in the Holy of Holies was the 
uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and in the Ark of the Covenant were the fragments of the broken law which God had given to Moses. He gave him the Ten Commandments, and then he threw them down in anger, and he broke all Ten Commandments at once. And so God said, you are, you're going to put those fragments in the Ark of the Covenant. And so when God goes to inspect Israel, he doesn't inspect their houses. He inspects the Ark of the Covenant. And when he looks at the Ark of the Covenant, he sees the broken law, and his wrath burns toward Israel. And so the Bible said, the Lord said to Moses, once a year, the high priest will come into the Holy of Holies, and he will lay blood upon the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. And when I, when I see that blood, that blood will cover the broken law. And so once a year the priest would come in and he would lay blood upon the mercy seat and that would cover the broken law and the, the anger of the Lord would subside against Israel. And so when the Lord wanted to inspect Israel, he would not go to check on Israel. He would go and check on the Ark of the Covenant and the blood upon the mercy seat. But you see, the blood upon the mercy seat could not take away the broken law. It could not take away the record of their wrongs. It could not take away their sin. And so it was not enough. It was just a type, a picture of the blood that would be shed by Jesus Christ at the cross. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that when Jesus died on the cross, he entered into the holy of holies, not on earth but in heaven, as the, whole, the great high priest of the human race. And he laid blood upon the ark of the covenant, not the blood of bulls and goats, but his own blood became the blood and his own body became that ark and he became our remission for sins. But here's the difference. The blood of the bulls and goats in the Old Testament could only cover sin. But the blood of Jesus takes away the sin of the world. The blood of Jesus brings full and complete pardon. Listen now, this is important. When God wants to check on a life, when he wants to inspect a life, guess where he looks? He looks to see if your heart has been covered by the blood of Jesus. That's what God is looking for. I said that's what God is looking for. He's looking for the blood. And when he sees the blood, he sees the full pardon of your sin and my sin. You realize that on the night of the Passover... Next Friday, we'll be celebrating Passover. And on the night of the Passover, the Lord said, put the blood on the doorpost of the house. And when I pass over Egypt to bring judgment, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that night when the death angel came through Egypt and stopped over the house of an Israelite where they had applied the blood, that blood cried out and that blood said, keep on moving death angel because death has already been here. That's what happens when you and I have applied the blood of Jesus by faith to our life. That when sin and death and, and wreckage and ruin and judgment come to our life that that blood cries out and says move on devil. The blood has already been here death has already been here this one is covered and their sins have been washed away oh the joy of being forgiven 
The joy of being washed clean. The joy of being made right and righteous before God. What can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on somebody. Your record has been cleansed because of the precious blood of the cross. So this morning, if you're under the blood, when God goes to check your file. I used to think he had filing cabinets, but now I think he has computers. <laughs> he pulls up that file. And he brings up the file, the, the record of Isaac de los Santos. There is no record of sin on that account. Only the blood. Oh, you say, Pastor, I can't believe it. It's too good to be true. I can't believe that, preacher. I just don't know if I can swallow that fact, friend. You might not be able to get that from the law. You may not be able to get that from your ex-wife or your ex-husband. You may not be able to get that from your children. But if you've come to Jesus, his blood will remove the past. His blood will remove the record of your sin. Only the blood can make you right before God. And I close with this. Only the blood can give you power over sin and Satan. The Bible said that they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. There is nothing the devil fears more than the blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. You got to put two and two together this morning if I'm covered by the blood and there's nothing the devil fears more than the blood of Jesus then you and I are a threat to the kingdom of darkness the blood of Jesus alone can give you freedom and victory over sin and Satan when you come against Satan you don't come in the name of your pastor you don't come in the name of your church. You come in the name of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. And the blood of Jesus can break every yoke, every bondage in your life. Listen to me, friend. There is no power of hell that you're walking under today that the blood of Jesus is not greater than. Say amen, somebody. I said there is no power of hell that you're walking under this morning that Jesus and his blood is not greater than. Jack Cole was a 20-year-old young man, and he was an alcoholic. The doctor told him, Jack, if you get drunk one more time, you're going to die, son. He said, your, your organs are so devastated by your addiction that you cannot handle one more time, one more episode. He was sitting in his mother's house in Fort Worth, Texas, trembling under the power of that addiction. And he thought, I just need a drink. So he got in his mom's car and he started driving through the streets of Fort Worth looking for a place to get a drink. And he found a place on a Saturday night. There was a lot of cars out and lights on. And he assumed it was a bar or a club. 
he figured I'd get a drink in here somewhere. And he walked in, and it was a church. And he said they were singing that old hymn, Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. He said they sang it 18 times. Finally, the preacher came up and he said, Is there anybody in here today that needs to be free? The blood of Jesus can make you free. And Jack Cole came down the aisle of that sawdust revival hall. And he gave his life to Jesus. And that very moment, alcohol and addiction was broken off of his life. Only the blood. Only the blood. That night he got home, his hair was uncombed, his clothes were disheveled because well, they started praying for him. And I guess they were a little, little charismatic because they started praying for him. And he said one, one guy was praying over him, Lord, dry him up. And the other guy was praying, Lord, fill him up. And he didn't know what was going on. Dry him up, fill him up. He got home, his hair's uncombed, his shirt's pulled out, and his mama says, oh, Jack, you're drunk again. He said, no, mama, I'm saved. I'm saved. Only the blood. Only the blood. Only the blood. I don't know what you're fighting, but only the blood. I don't know what you're facing, but only the blood. Come on, somebody. There's victory in the blood. There's healing in the blood. There's grace in the blood. There's forgiveness in the blood. Somebody ought to give God praise for his blood. Only the blood. Only the blood. Had it not been for the blood of Jesus, had it not been for the mercies of an undying and good God, I would be lost, I would be ruined. But I'm here today, you're here today because of the blood, only the blood of Jesus. Would you stand with me and just glorify God this morning? Glorify God this morning. The blood of Jesus speaks a better thing. I don't know what your past speaks over your life, but the blood of Jesus speaks a better thing. I don't know what the doctor spoke over your life, but the blood of Jesus speaks a better thing. I don't know what your, what your enemies have spoken over you, but the blood of Jesus speaks a better thing. Victory is yours through the blood of Jesus. Come on, just lift your voice and glorify the living God this morning.